Okay, now we're on the air. Whew, okay, backtrack, Daniel. Okay, so I'm not saying this again, but please bear with me. So the main topic today for my message is going to be looking at justice as defined by the world, defined by the Bible, and therefore how we should live justly since God is just. It's part of his nature. This is inevitable, this is inseparable from him as his love. Okay, so then let's see how that ties in with authority roles, both in the world, from the, say, the big government, all the way down to our individual lives. Okay, so looking at Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the definition of justice was defined thus. The principle or ideal of just living or right action. Another definition read, the quality of being just, impartial, or fair. I mean, you hear it all the time from your kids, right? That's not fair. Well, <laughs> like my brother, my brother was talking about yesterday with the kid, what my, his, his son was requesting for a birthday party. He says, what? He's like, he want, wanted things to be cool. But yes, and my brother said, what does a five-year-old know about being cool? <laughs> and so looking at your point of view, like the, what your point of view of justice is going to be shaped by your, your age, your experience. But looking at what it means to be just, that never changes. Just your, like I said, your perspective, your, your, uh, how do I say it? How you view justice is going to change. Like if you, there's a, I mean, think about it. This year, how many times did you, as a kid, say to your parents, "That's not fair," but then you heard the same thing from your kids when you did exactly what your parents were doing. So your, yeah, like said justice from the parent side, yes, kid side, no. But that's because they didn't understand from the point of view there. So. Yeah, what it means to be fair. So, ah, so that was justice. And then looking at what it means to be just. Having a basis in or conforming to fact or reason. Or, quote, acting or being in conformity with what is morally upright or good. I mean, looking at what, back to what we see about justice, people think about being fair and being just. But a lot of people are basing that not on reason, but on emotion. And emotion, if, we, if you know anything about it, is very, it's a very unreliable meter stick, a very unreliable rule, rule stick to go by. That's very sad, considering that, yes, God gave us emotion, but he also gave us reason. And as Thomas Aquinas, one of the great theological fathers of the Middle Ages put it, reason is God's gift to man because it's how we love him with our minds. So if people aren't using reason, then we're living out a very crucial part of both not only acting right, but also understanding what is right. And so we get all screwed up on our own mistakes. Okay, so several key points that I'm going to use to deliver today's message. The first one is how we treat others or how we treat each other matters greatly to God. Okay. So second key point will be Looking at worldly rule is in its basis, its very foundation, is opposed to God's design. Third main point that I'll look at is God calls us to live and act justly. Now we'll take go each of those in turn and examine, but based on the scripture, what is what's what how has God defined that for us? Okay, so first main point. I have two verses that will look quick with this one. Okay, the first one, looking at uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31. So I know it's been a while, but everybody, if you have a Bible in front of you, 
Open it up and start turning to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14. So you turn to the, you hit to the poetry section of the Bible. Psalms should be on the left. Ecclesiastes should be on the right. Okay, Proverbs chapter 14. Yeah, there's a lot of wise sayings in Proverbs. This one especially jumped out at me when I was studying. So when you get to Proverbs chapter 14, it starts with, A wise woman builds her house. And then scroll down, or like I say, find your way down to verse 31. Okay. Okay, when you're ready, go ahead and look up so I can see you're there. Alrighty, good, good. See a couple of you still finding your way, but most of us are there. Okay. Alrighty. So, verse 31 of chapter 14 of Proverbs. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. So this is a theme that we see both like throughout the time from the time of Abraham all the way through, all the way down to the time of Jesus and beyond, that the church has always had a heart for the poor, or we've always been called to have a heart for the poor. And this is the, re- the reason behind it. It's, how many times have people said, looked at someone else looking down their nose at the poor? How many times have you seen that? Raise your hand if you've seen someone look at the poor like the, the, the very negatively. And yet, that is exactly the opposite attitude of what God calls us to. He says, quote, well, Jesus said, you always have the poor among you. And the thing about it, think about it, I actually, I didn't include this part of my notes, but I was thinking of, suddenly of a, quote, a clip from, or a quote from Prince Caspian by C.S. Lewis. When Caspian finds out that his ancestors, he's about to become king of Narnia, but he finds that his ancestors were at least these low-life pirates. He says, I wish I came of a more honorable lineage. And then Aslan says, You come of the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve, and that is honor enough to raise the head of the lowliest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the mightiest emperor on earth. Be content. A message that, as he was pointing out, that your ancestry doesn't matter. You're overall one humanity, and that ties in exactly with how we treat the poor, that like basically everybody, as nobody once pointed out, that everyone is a brother or a sister. That we all, no matter what we look like, no matter where we were born, no matter what kind of background we have, we all come from the same two people. So how? So basically, and this is not only so when you treat someone else bad, not only are you treating your own distant relations bad. Basically, you look, you're showing saying that you have no respect, no regard for what God has made because He made them just like He made you. So. so My phone locked. So now going to the other main verse that we're looking at. Uh, so that's why Jesus called, says, You're always the poor among you, and God calls us to be kind to the poor. Because, like I said, like, you'll see later on in uh, ah, Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. So let's turn to Matthew 22, flipping over to the New Testament. Ah, oh, nice. I turned right to the chapter. Well, that's a kind of unfair advantage because for me, that, I think that's a well worn page in my Bible. Alrighty, so turning to Matthew 22, going down to verses, verse, starting in verse 37, going to 40. It'll be a very, it's a very familiar passage, but it's a very fundamental to understanding, looking at the way God wants us to view each other and to view Him. So, go ahead and show me a hand, show me a hand when you're there. Alrighty, so, Matthew 22, starting in verse 37. This is when the scribe is asking him, which, the lawyer is asking him, what's the greatest commandment? 
Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So think about it. Jesus, this, 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 this principle of loving your, loving your neighbor as yourself has been throughout all of Scripture, but Jesus takes the time saying of all the law of the Torah and of all the principles that were taught by the prophets, this is one of the most foundational of our faith. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, I know we go through it a lot, but what does it mean to love yourself? What does it mean to love yourself? Well, it means to, do you respect yourself? Do you provide for yourself? Do you make sure you have comfort? Do you have needs? Basically, everything you'd want for yourself, God says, be willing to show that to others. It's basically the foundation for, I think it's what, the, it's the whole foundation of phileo. The, the, thir- the third level of love, which going out to your, beyond yourself, beyond your family, to your friends and your close, your, your close uh, acquaintances. So be willing to show that love. If you don't love yourself, then you got the problem, and it's a problem for everyone else. So that's, again, okay, so that, so how you treat yourself, how you treat other people, that is very much important to God, because, as he pointed out in the Proverbs, if you don't treat other people well, then... Basically, you show contempt for the one who made everybody. You don't view humanity well. You basically show, say, God, you don't matter because they don't matter. Then looking to Jesus, so looking at the lifestyle these calls to, it says, and interesting that Jesus, we had, the people always look back to the Ten Commandments. I mean, the world's trying to side them right now, but those Ten Commandments are basically, the, they used to be the entire foundation of morality and justice in the United States. And Jesus simplified it down to two. Because the, think about it. Two, two rules. A lot easier to remember than ten, isn't it? <laughs> Moving into the second main point, or actually looking at how do we, how do we apply that to our lives? I think I was kind of covered this already, but looking at, uh, ah. So when Jesus calls us to follow him, to become more like him, the way we apply this, the principle of how we treat each other, when we look at other people, learn to see them as God does. Like God calls us to, to love, to be just, to be more like him in nature. Then, yes, we're not going to become God. There are a lot of whacked out ideas about that. But as we become more like God, a reflection of his nature, as we come to become more like him in nature, then we will, the, way we look, the way we look at others will change, and the way we act toward others will change. Alrighty. Now moving into the second main point, which was, was worldly rule is opposed to God's design. I mean, we've seen it ever since, ever since the fall of humanity, ever since, ever since Satan was cast out of heaven, that everything about, the, everything about life outside of God is opposed to what he lives. I mean, that's what Lucifer's new title, Satan, from the Persian, it meant opposer. Everything that God is, Satan is not. And when humanity chose to fall, we chose to do exactly as Satan does. When God says go right, we go left. Okay. Let me see, going into, ah, uh, but we see this is, again, a theme that's been through all throughout Scripture. He's going back to the book of Proverbs now, a little earlier this time. This will be in Proverbs 17, so I know. <laughs> now, this will be a little back and forth, so don't be surprised if I keep bouncing back and forth, back and forth like, a, like the ping pong ball. 
Okay, so, turning to Proverbs 17, and we're going down to verse 23. Okay. Can you go ahead and look up on you there. Okay, so Proverbs 17, verse 23. A wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to pervert the ways of justice. I mean, so let's think back. What, is it, what does it mean to take a bribe? Or we've heard this like, like, like they take a bribe behind the back, getting paid under the table. I mean, basically, in every way, it's like it's about taking, making sure that they call it grease in the wheel. But uh, <clears throat> what do we know about grease if you work with engines or if you work with cars and all? What does grease do? Uh huh. And if it's not, if it's not in the plant, if it's not where it's supposed to be, if you try to use it for something else, if it gets spilled out on the floor, what ends up happening? Nothing good. Exactly, <laughs> nothing good. <laughs> like so, that's what we see. Money isn't was necessary invention in order, as we saw society and civilization advance. But when we see it applied in ways it's not supposed to be, that's when things, not the thing, nothing good happens. <clears throat> so we see a wicked man accepts a bribe. So. In a sense, people have been giving, we're all familiar with the concept of gifts, about giving things to each other to show our appreciation. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. Well, back in the days of the Bible, or back in the days when the Bible was being written, a bribe was a gift in exchange for a favor. In other words, you gave, you gave a gift to an authority figure in exchange, they decided things in your favor. But in the sense, that is, that is, is that justice? No, that's corruption. That reminds me of the, uh, and it's something unfortunately we've seen all too prevalent in worldly government. I mean, how many of you, uh, how many of you saw back in the 90s or the early 2000s the Christian Bale uh, musical with Disney, Newsies? Or how many of you are familiar with it? It's, well, it's based, in case you haven't, it's the, based on the 1899 Newsies strike against Joe Pulitzer himself. Basically, they were trying, he and his fellow newspaper guys were trying to jack up the price they were selling to the newsies, the boys selling newspapers on the street, and to, under more of a profit in the circulation wars. And they went on, the newsies, this is unfair. We're gonna, you're going to break us. We won't be able to make a living. So they go on strike. But in the opening, one of the, in the opening song, Carrying the Banner, the newsies say, we can search for a good headline. We need a good assassination. We need an earthquake or a war. One of them says, how about a crooked politician? They turn around and say, they turn around and say, hey, stupid, that ain't news no more. So, <laughs> exactly. I remember another movie clip from, uh, the 90, from the 90s movie Sneakers, with starring like an all-star cast, like among them Robert, Robert Redford and Ben Kingsley. And I remember a key quote from Ben Kingsley, who plays the villain, he says, what's wrong with this country? To his friend Robert Redford, money, you taught me that. Evil defense contractors had it. They were in college in the 60s. Noble causes did not. Politicians have bought and sold like so much chattel. Our problems multiply. Pollution, crime, drugs, poverty, despair, hunger, disease. We throw gobs of money at them. Problems always get worse. Why is that? It's because money's most powerful ability is to allow bad people to continue doing bad things at the expense of those who don't have it. Sorry, going off on the, on the media tangent there. <laughs> but it's just to show the example of this, how much corruption has seeped into the system, despite 
despite the, the work of honest administrators and, and the best of intentions to keep government clean, corruption always manages to find its way back in. And it's so, and so sad that bribery, whether it's through, like, through individual fundraising or through like, black market dealing or and however, you, however they, man, they found a way to do it, that money always manages to grease the wheels of corruption and make government pervert its purpose. But then we see that's the way the world lives, but then we see, how does God call us to live? Well, we've seen it many times in the Old Testament. This is where we see, we see it in the different leadership roles of the Hebrew nation, as we've seen, as I've talked before on the blog. But we also see, looking at all the way down into the, into the Gospels, Jesus said, okay, this is the way that the rulers are going, and this is the way you should go. This is going to be in uh, Mark chapter 10, flipping back towards the New Testament. So... See, past Matthew this time to Mark. Ah. Mm-hmm. This will be towards the end of the chapter. This is right after, for reference sake, this is right after James and John have asked Jesus to be set on his right and left hands in the, when he comes in the kingdom. And Jesus asks him, like, do you really think you're up for it? Do you, think you, can, do you, think you really think you, can, you have the necessary the will to make the sacrifice for that kind of position? And then the, ten, the other ten are like, excuse me, you guys tried to talk your way into being the top, the top two and three guys in the kingdom? How dare you? You think you're better than us? And then we see Jesus' response to their complaints and a little epilogue to his talk with James and John. So in, John, in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse, we'll go through verses 42 and 43. So towards the end of the chapter here, so... okay. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Reminds me of a very key, that actually became a maxim later on in the Middle Ages, saying to rule is to serve. Now, obviously not everyone lived that way, but that's the heart of the matter, that God calls us to be servant leaders. I mean, Jesus himself modeled it when he was, during the Last Supper, when he actually got down with a towel doing the filthiest job imaginable, cleaning these, the feet of these guys who have probably who've basically never worn closed-toed shoes in their lives. They've walked around in sandals all their days, and they had no paved roads. They walked through the muck, the filth, the dirt, and Jesus took it upon himself to wash their feet. And that was the job, if you know, for reference sake, that's the job of the lowest servant in the house. It's the last, it's like, the, it's like in the song from the 80s, Mr. Roboto. Thank you very much, Mr. Roboto, for doing the jobs nobody wants to. That's the same kind of position in India of the, for a long time of the Dalits, the untouchables. They did all the filthiest jobs. And Jesus, the creator, the savior of the universe, takes it on himself to do it. He said, quote, The Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve. And that's exactly, the, that's in sense, that's the kind of justice that we need to see more in the world, that with the mighty, the, the greatest among us, gets down and is not afraid to be side to side with the lowest of us. Because after all, as you pointed out earlier, we're all God's children, whether he gave you great responsibilities or a small task, it's the same God you're serving, and you should not have an inflated view of yourself just because you're here and they're there. 
Okay, and the interesting thing is how they said looking at, uh, look at they said the rulers, they lorded over them, saying, I'm in charge now. You do what I say or, or pow, you're going to get it. And we see different, and we see also see like the examples of corruption we saw. We saw this in the book of Acts, or in the book, in the Gospels themselves. We saw looking at the corruption of Herod Antipas, the guy who had John the Baptist nixed because he wanted to do a favor for his, for his stepdaughter. Or another time, uh, look at, we saw the Sanhedrin, like both in the trials of Jesus in the Gospels, trying to get, in, get, like, get a favor from Rome. Or the, or the same thing with, with the trial of Paul, when they said they hope wanted to get a favor, get in with Rome by saying, oh, we're putting down a rebel. We're trying to get rid of someone who opposes Rome. And that was, that's what they said in Jesus' trial, said, this man called himself a king. And quoting Emperor Tiberius, they said, any man who calls himself a king is no friend of Caesar's. So they're trying, they're being, well, basically the way I've put it, heard put it is, they're being political weasels. So they just want, they want favor for Rome by basically doing what's politically correct. And how often do we see that today? I mean, a lot of groups or individuals out there have either, either willingly, actively joined, or they've basically been passively enabling it because they know it will not speak for what is truly just. And then all the way down to what we saw a couple weeks ago, we saw Emperor Felix, well, we saw, pardon me, Governor Felix. He says he kept Paul in prison for two whole years, kept delaying the trial. Why? Because, well, partially because he wanted to listen to Paul, but also because he was hoping to get some money from him. He was hoping, to, hoping Paul would pay him off to get him out of prison. But Paul said, for the truth, says, I don't need to pay to get out of prison. I'm innocent. I don't need to pay, play your little games. And that's gone all the way into, act, into the next chapter of Acts when Festus is trying to do the same thing, pulling a favor for the Jews to get in good with them. But that's, like I said, that's the way the world operates. But as Christians, we need to, like I say, I mean, look at, looking at what we see around us, I mean, there are certain groups that we'll be drawn more towards because as individual people or as we were up, raised, that's be seen to be aligned more with the values we have. But ultimately, no human leader, no political group, no matter what their intentions or how close these may seem to see eye to eye, they will never ever be a substitute for the truth of the word of God. Amen. So when we call, when, we say we, when Jesus said, quote, to, when Paul calls to imitate me as I imitate Christ, he's saying, don't look at me. Remember, I'm a human, I'm a fallible human. I will make mistakes. I will slip up. Look to him, the one who has never made a mistake, not once in all of eternity and never will. So, as Christians, we, are, we should follow the example of Jesus and the instruction of, of what we see in the Word and emulate the Word, not our fellow people. Going to a third point, looking at God calls us to live and act justly. This is kind of like just reinforcing the previous points I've made, but it's a very key, very key scriptures to look at. Both of these will be in the Old Testament, so we won't have to, well, have to flip so far back and forth. But this one goes... This next verse will be actually, these next two verses will both be from the prophets. Okay, look, looking at, you see, going back to the book of Isaiah. Okay, so this Isaiah, one of the greatest prophets of all time, of, certainly of all, of one of the greatest prophets in the Hebrew lexicon. So we'll turn to Isaiah chapter 33. This is a time when it says, looking at Isaiah's, you know, thinking a prayer in distress, his judgment on the nations being passed out. But we see 
Isaiah will have some key words to say. See, in verses 15 and 16 in chapter 33. Uh, so this is when we see that he's looking around, looking woefully at the people, that's the... As the people are weeping, there's devastation everywhere. Says, the people are asking, like, the people are saying, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Like, look at all this judgment, look at all this, all, all, everything that's, all the destructions around us. Who's going to survive? And in verses 15 and 16, God gives an answer. He says, He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from the hearing of bloodshed and shut his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Now, I was looking back at the, towards the end there of verse 15, I'm like, wait a minute, stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. So he shuts his eyes from seeing evil. You want me to be ignorant? But, no, that's not what it means at all. I looked closer. God said, no, 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 Daniel, listen up. It says when he says, he, he, refuses to, he refuses bribes, he speaks uprightly, despises the, despises the gain of oppressions. Then I, that just seems that that's all well and good. And then I see the next part, stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed. Not, God's not saying, but people talk about, they talk about all oh, this news, the murder on the news. But that's not saying shut your ears, don't never, don't ever hear about it. God wants us to be aware of what's happening in the world, but what He's talking about here is, He stops His ears from the hearing of bloodshed. When people are talking about using murder as a political tool or as some ways of a forwarding agenda, God says, "Ah, ah, ah don't listen to that. Don't even think about using that as a tool. Shedding blood as a political tool is never part of God's plan." Yes, we hear about the sacrifices, but that's after sin has taken place and God has used Jesus' blood to cleanse us from sin. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's like, when you talk about killing one person to set an agenda in motion, like Stalin said, kill one, put fear in a thousand, that's the way the world operates. God said, uh-uh. That's what they go do things, not how I do things. And you're called to do this way. The next part, it says, shuts his eyes from seeing evil. Again, God doesn't want us to, like the whole saying, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That's not what he's talking about. So he says, he shuts his eyes from seeing evil means that the whole thing about, the old saying we've heard, garbage in, garbage out. So God's looking at what you see, what you perceive is important, what you focus your attention on. That's what will define your actions. So he says, when you look at seeing evil, that's not what God wants us to go into our heads. He wants us to focus on what is good, what is right. I mean, the, all, all the fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in the New Testament. That's what should be going to our head. That's what we should be putting in our eyes. So after all, I said, what goes into the... Like I said, what Jesus talked about, what goes into your, into your, what goes into your mouth, goes to the stomach and beyond. That's not what makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your heart. That's the, what, so what goes into your eyes goes to your mind, and that starts to affect your heart. That's why he says, see no, the refrain, he says, quote, shut your eyes from seeing evil. In other words, don't be a part of evil, and don't be focused on doing, or on others doing evil, in the sense, don't, don't make it such a, don't, don't, make, don't they make that a basis for what you will do and how you will speak. Hmm? Now the last verse that we see, 
is in only a little ways over. It's in one of the minor prophets. It's in the book of Micah. And this has been a very familiar verse for me. It's one that my dad has shared with me many times. I even saw it even written on a wall at the college where I went at Azusa Pacific. Going down to, and this may be a familiar verse for some of you as well, going to Micah chapter 6, and going down to the bottom, to, towards the middle of the chapter, or going down to verse 8. And this looks at, yes, it's like God has shown us this, what we know not to do, and here's what we shall do. It says, quote, He says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? So that's why he said, so in a sense, that helps to reinforce what we see in Isaiah, that, quote, he, to do justly means to have follow, follow God, to show God, use God's sense of morality, God's definition of morality, to do to have, so that you get what you know what is right in your heart. That will play out into your actions. That's how, that's how you do justly, to love mercy as God does. Because if we, people are so focused on justice, but like as like Gandhi once said, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind, but... That's because, like, in, in the worldly thing, it's like eye for an 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 eye, and that leaves everybody blind. That's the whole eye for an eye process in the Old Testament was supposed to limit that idea of vengeance. That's not what justice is about at all. God said, one for one, and you're done. Hmm. But then, you see, but you know, even then, God shows us that mercy because if God, we live we lived according to God's justice, they said, God's justice, people think that's God smiting you with lightning. But if he acted that way, there'd be no humans left on earth. So justice is, as they say back in the day, justice is getting what you deserve. And then, and we all, according to the Bible, we all deserve death. So God shows us mercy by not giving us what we deserve. So that they said to do justly, to love mercy. So in that sense, as God has shown us mercy, we are to show mercy to others and to love that kind of path. And he said, quote, to walk humbly with your God. I think one of the greatest motivations behind corruption and greed and, and injustice is that sense of pride, that I know better than you do, that I matter more than you do. I'm looking at God saying, think I know myself better than you know me. But it's like a, it's like a football looking at the manufacturer saying, I'm taking over. You excuse me, you can't even get off the ground without someone kicking you so, or throwing you, so how can you take over? I don't know you better than that. Hmm. So, and that's after we, by following that, by doing justly, loving mercy, walking humbly with our God, that is when we see, looking back at Isaiah, he says, you will dwell on high, that is the high places back in the day, remember, it was kind of like the most fortified position ever. It says you will be a fortress, your dwelling place will be a fortress, a place of defense will be the fortress of rocks, something that almost nothing could break except the most powerful force known to man in that kind. It says your bread will be given you, your water will be sure. So that's something that God, as we, as we walk with God, he also provides it for us. And just go, that's, why, that's the whole thing, if we go back to the imagery with, in Israel with the years of wandering, he provided them bread, he provided them water in the middle of a desert where nothing was available. And he said, God said, Follow me, trust me, and I'll provide everything you need. And so the application of that. So how do we, how do we live more like, more, more like God? Well, best way to go it, as Christopher Lloyd said, 
Remember, look to the books. So the best way to learn to, to follow God's sense of justice, study the scripture and learn God's standard for justice. And once you know it in your heart, let it play out in your life. Live it out. And I know, like, and as I say, quote, it's like just like becoming pure, becoming just is not something that happens just once. It's all part of a process. It's, it's like I remember in teaching, it also it's all part of something called, like, like say looking about government, the way you view it, it's all about called political socialization. Your values and your actions change and adapt as your viewpoint changes over your experience. So basically looking at how we start off, looking at where we are today, then we look to where God's scripture is. That's going to take time, but with God's help, or actually with God leading the way, we need all the help we can get. But with God's help along the way, God leading us by his light, by his word, and if we continue to be open and receptive to that, then we will learn to become just. And that's when we will become to live as God defines justice. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you so much. I humbly, I just humbly ask God that you would just take the words that have been spoken, Lord, that they would not return void. That pray, Lord, that your truth would ring in what I have spoken. That Lord, when you just take what we've given, Lord, you, Lord, that we would give you our laid on our lives before you, as we sang before you. They would just lay out everything before you and say, God, take it and make it yours and make it grow, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we go out from this place, that you would teach us to live according to your love, your justice, and that we would just be a light to the world, that when people see it, they may be drawn to you, Lord, and be drawn to your kingdom, to your love. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm.